I'm in a hotel room. This is weird, but it's nice. It's, I wanted crazy. to say hi to Jason. I haven't seen you for so long. I know. Oh my gosh. Oh, I can't. Where are you like, at? long. We're in Minneapolis. I'm doing a play with that storyteller, Kevin Kling. I love him. Open... I love Kevin Kling. I know. He's, it's our first, like, big thing. We've done some, like, one-time concerts before, but never, like, made anything. So we wrote a play together, and then we're my music's in it, like, kind of throughout. And so we're, like, memorizing lines and stuff. It's, like, very different than my usual life, but it's fun. I was so going to try to go to that, but the day I could go is sold out. Oh, can you come Wednesday? We have a free dress rehearsal Wednesday like, night. The 19th? Yeah. That's my birthday. Oh, day. well, you're probably doing something else. I'm not. I don't have anything I'm doing. Are I mean, you serious? You uh, guys should come. You and Gina. What? No way. Okay, I'll, I'll get info about that later. But yeah, I'd love to come to the dress rehearsal. Yeah, it's kind of like invitation only, but you guys should totally come. That would be amazing. I would love to have you see it. All right. I'd, I'd love that. Yeah. That's so cool. Yeah. yeah. I have a story about Kevin Kling. I, I wanted to see him when he came to uh, St. Scholastica one time, and I bought tickets for me and Tina, and, and then... I had the time wrong, and I thought it started at, like, 8, but it started at 7. We get there, and it's, like, an hour into the show already. I felt so bad. Oh, crap. Did you meet him afterwards? I don't know. He's no. really nice, so I bet he wouldn't have cared. He's so nice. He's, oh, he's super really funny, cool guy. too. I like him so much. Yeah, yeah, he's hilarious. He's good. Yeah, so it's been really fun. We made this play about these weird creatures going on a journey I don't want to give more away, but we have costumes. I mean, it's gonna—it's like worth coming down if you aren't busy on your birthday. Well, so. I will try to come, and if uh, in, anyone has a chance, invis Invisible Fences, definitely it's worth checking out. Yeah, it's going to be fun. Yeah, and I, I, I just graduated with a theater degree from UMD, and so seeing you doing theater, it's like, oh, great. It, I, it feels like now today I have something I can actually like bring to the table, because normally I feel like I'm talking to musicians, and I don't know enough about music to, <laughs> to fully like uh I, I just i try to make the connection between what i do which is drawing cartoons and and, oh, then, cool. and what, whatever else other people are doing so while we're talking about the play I, i'm curious what brought you to to the theater or i guess maybe in some ways back to the theater yeah well that's a good question so my parents when i was 10 started a dinner theater and in duluth called change of pace productions and they, they were already doing plays like they would bring us to rehearsal when they did plays and we would just like run around the building and like they'd be doing rehearsals but so they had already done plays but they started their own company when I was 10 and they put on three shows a year which was like I mean I don't you know a lot about theater so it's like a pretty big time commitment yeah. so we were we kind of grew up in this like theater family where they were always rehearsing or doing shows or you know prepping and building sets and like we passed out programs and so I grew up around that and I didn't realize till I was older that that's kind of a weird way to grow up like like living inside this theater thing and then I did some shows myself like children's theater and some high school and junior high but after high school I didn't do really anything else I wrote one of my parents murder mysteries one time um like in college and that was kind of fun and weird and very new experience kind of thing. But um, yeah, but I hadn't done plays for a long time. And then last year, I got asked to do a show out in New York on Broadway, like make the music for it. And that was my first experience back into theater since like early college. So it was really weird to be like thrown back in. And then when Kevin asked about this, I was like, well, sure, that would be. I mean, I love Kevin. So I was 
anything he wanted to do, I would have said yes. But yeah. it turned out to be this. Which yeah, and that and that works out. And I I saw that you have a a pretty successful Kickstarter for that too, right? Yeah, because when we started our project, it was just going to be a concert with a story in between each song. And because we've done that before, that was something that we've done a few times. And then so we were all like, yeah, but then we had a conversation. It kind of got born out of this idea, like he has a disability to his arms. One of them doesn't work at all. And one of them is very short. And so um, we were kind of talking about how, and maybe you all relate to this. I realize that I think it's just a human thing, but where you kind of feel a little bit like, yeah, I'm a person, but I also relate to like this made up creature in my head. That's not really a person. I think everybody feels that way, but we were talking about that. And I was telling him about this creature that Paul and I made up that's me that like sleeps under a tree in a hole at like to like one and she's furry and kind of weird and gross and that's like me and we call it a laragraph. We already had a name for it. And I was like, what would you be, Kevin? And he's like, I think I'd be a grasshopper, but I'd be missing a couple of wings or whatever. So like that was the beginning. And then we started kind of riffing on it and we're like, we should write a story about it. So that's kind of how that came about um it yeah it was kind of based on this conversation so the reason we did the kickstarter is because when we were gonna do the show originally it was just gonna be the two of us standing on stage and then all of a sudden we're like oh well we need costumes and lighting and um we wanted to have asl interpretation because accessibility is a big part of it and then we're having captions on the back wall which is going to be really cool and then also jeremy yildesacker who's an amazing guitarist who's playing guitar because I realized I couldn't loop if I'm gonna like be on stage I was like I gotta get my violin and play really fast and then like put it down right and so um I was like I think we need to add a guitarist so we added Jeremy Yildesacker but he's also narrating so that if you're blind and you're out in the audience and you can't see very well you'll know what's on stage because he's going to kind of set up each scene like a storyteller sort of so there's all these new elements and so we did a kickstarter because we didn't want to make the theater (laughs) put foot the bill for all of our really wild ideas that we threw with them at the last minute so that's why we did it well yeah and yeah fair enough these these things yeah can get pricey (laughs) yeah we were like "Uh uh-oh we what have we done so that's why we did the kickstarter (laughs) yeah and jeremy he he played on the Macbeth with you right yeah he played guitar on Macbeth and He's in a bunch of other bands. He's in the suburbs and oh, he's he was in, in Grandma's Boyfriend. Oh. Yeah, he does a lot of stuff. And so he's really cool. But we've actually only done that Macbeth soundtrack together. Like I knew of him and we sat in, I think, on like a drone, not drones one year. But we, we really didn't know each other that well before Macbeth. And Macbeth is mostly remote. So this is kind of fun because we're actually get, getting to like play together. Oh, um, yeah. A lot of the Macbeth, he would, he broke his hand in the middle of Macbeth, which is terrible. His wrist, he like fell on a sidewalk. So he was still able to like slide guitar. So he, I can't believe he did it. I was like, are you sure you really don't like, don't worry. And he's like, no, no, I got it. So he did that, but we didn't get to do a lot of in-person hanging out when that project happened. So this has been really fun to get to like play together. We did a fundraiser on Thursday for the theater and we did like a scene from the play and a song from the play. And it was our first like performance. It was really fun. It started raining on us. So we backed under a tree to stay dry. <laughs> Where was that at? Uh, that was at the Bakken Museum in Minneapolis. Oh, cool. How's Paul? <laughs> How's Paul? <laughs> I know. He's good. He's in the play. He's oh. in the play. He's got a cameo. This was not planned, but we needed a 
person to do this thing that's happening that I can't tell you about. But yeah, he's in the play now. He's got like his curtain call figured out. I'm so excited. He's good. We're just kind of like our lives are sort of the same and sort of different since before COVID. We're not touring quite as much, but I keep getting these theater based projects. I have another one I'm working on in New York that it's not announced yet. But like, so he's coming out and traveling and doing all the same stuff, but just not quite as many like gigs yet. But hopefully someday. Do you still have the old van? <laughs> that van? I wonder which van you saw. We had one called Gussie, a big old white one. That one died eventually. Yeah, the white one. Yeah, that one was so cool. I miss that one. But we uh, we got a new one. Her name is Sylvia. She's a silver <laughs> minivan. She's good, too. But she's actually also not. We we're pretty hard on vans. We're like, oh, crap. They're like, I already have 100,000 more miles. Okay, so we're, we're get, we got like another year with Sylvia probably. And then I don't know. How long she'll live after that? Yeah, bring her back. Dude, yeah, yeah. T. old van. He's been posting as like five hundred thousand miles already on his Honda. Are you serious? Yeah. Oh he, my god. His Facebook, awesome. he's like five hundred forty thousand already or something crazy. Like, oh my lord. Yeah. See, our Gussie, we would have done that because I loved that van. It was the perfect van, but it was starting to get so creaky. Like Paul was gonna like fall through the floor. You know what I mean? Yeah. Where you're like, this does not feel roadworthy anymore. It's very Everything was kind of starting to come apart. I think when it when it after. becomes a Flintstone van, you gotta yeah, you gotta move exactly. on. Exactly. <laughs> You're like, eh, this probably should not go all the way across the country. Yeah. I that. yeah, I personally don't prefer kicky footing my car across the country. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, it is creepy when you're like, oh, I can see the floor or the road through that hole. Yeah, Interesting. I... <laughs> like, yeah. I was thinking about all your travel, and I was wondering if you ever get up to Basaba Park anymore. If I, I was trying to see if they still do the midsummer eve party thing they do i haven't been in a couple years but i did go we went a couple i I suppose it's been since covid probably i'd like to go back it actually just hasn't worked out timing wise like we've been gone or had family stuff the last few years like i would have gone this year but i think was it grandma's marathon my friend i got a couple friends running this year so i actually stayed home to watch which was fun so I suppose you live yeah. right no, there. No, I love that place. Yeah, I do. I know. Well, I'm so I'm so bad at mornings that I just like pour a cup of coffee and throw on a dress and then just walk straight out the door. Otherwise, I don't think I would ever see Grandma's Marathon probably <laughs> if it wasn't like right outside. <laughs> I'm not a morning person. I, I'm with you. By the time I am thinking about it, it's over. <laughs> yep. I'm like, oh man. Yeah. No, I saw my friends this year. This well, one of them did the half marathon, and I was like. I'm sorry. If you want me to see you, you have to run the full because I'm not getting up at eight o'clock. To, yeah, no way. You know, it's a crazy I think to get up to watch someone run a marathon, let alone get up to actually be the one running it. Oh yeah, I mean, I, I mean, I was cheering, but I was thinking, oh man, no way. What are no these way. people doing to themselves? Yeah, yeah this is torture. horrible. It's torture. But, yeah. That's what it is. It no, is. They, I think <laughs> people always talk about the runners high or whatever, but. Pfft. It's like childbirth, maybe, where you forget how bad it was. Yeah, yeah. I think do I can again. imagine. I've never done either, and I hope I never do. <laughs> but I can imagine running a marathon and childbirth being similar. I make them yeah, coffee weird. on their way out of town, and they look like they're doing good. I mean, I don't see their missing toenails, but you know, somehow they, <laughs> they they seem okay. I, I work at the at the depot, which I, I think is near the finish line, isn't it? I think so. Pretty close, I think yeah. Because so, I, I think I had seen people walking back to their cars after running. Yeah. Which I think is crazy. I, I wouldn't want to be walking anywhere. Just, no way. No. Yeah, no, I would just... 
Are you? I'm gonna crawl, or you guys can carry me. Yeah, you can carry me. Yeah, there was a funny story. My mom has a friend who is older now, but he ran the marathon once. But he was on his house was like kind of up on Superior Street, kind of towards the end of the race, and he running, 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 and he thought about it, and he's like. I don't care that much. So he just ran to his house and, and stopped. So he's like, I don't want to finish this race anymore. So he's proved that he, he can do up. it. He knows with it within himself. Yep. He had only a couple miles to go. He could have, he just chose to end early. So that's more like what I would do probably. Yeah. I would leave the house and go, I could have done the whole thing and turn right back around. <laughs> yep. Yep. Like, yeah, it's worth, worth it. I'm not an athletic type. I like music. That's really. Right more of my jams i yeah uh, the artist life is life for me yeah yeah i was talking to tina this morning and she reminded me of a story of speaking of playing music and she was mentioning and i don't think i know this story your first violin teacher that kind of like figured out how to yeah mrs summerfeld in duluth mrs summerfeld was the fifth grade orchestra teacher. And so in order to join, you had to take a music listening test and I got like the only perfect score. So I think she was like, well, she should learn how to play something, but she didn't really know how to do it. So the part I didn't know is she called my mom like after that test and was like, I think I want to try to help her, but I'm not sure what to do because my arms are so much shorter than anyone else's. So she was like, I'm pretty sure it's not going to be the regular way. And so my mom's like, well, Gillen said that maybe, you know, she could play it like a cello or maybe she could play the cello or I don't really know anything, though. My mom was like, I don't know anything about stringed instruments. So good luck, basically. And then the next year I did join orchestra, but she worked with me like one on one to find a way to do it. So we did end up playing it like a cello, but she knew because she knows so much about stringed instruments. I couldn't hold the bow the right way. and But she's like, wait, I have an idea. Some bass players hold it underhanded, kind of more like a pencil or a baseball bat. I don't know. I, I like, you know, it's like underhand. So I'm not grabbing it from the top of the stick. So without that, I don't think it would have worked. So she like kind of helped me make a, a style that, that worked. And then she helped me figure out the fingerings too, because I can't use my pinky finger. It's just too, the angle of my arm is wrong. Mm-hmm. So she helped me figure out how to move around. She was huge. And like, it's so cool because she was just kind of like, I've never done this. I don't know if it'll work, but I think we should try to figure it out. So I'm just glad she, I don't think many people would have been that open-minded, you know, because it was pretty, she basically remade it. That That's amazing though. Cause having that, that teacher that does that extra, extra work is so, so amazing. I mean, I think of Danfeld, like Lee England is an art teacher or even like the current mm-hmm. band director right now at Denfeld, you can just tell what a difference it makes, you know, and all of a sudden there's all these great jazz kids coming out of Denfeld right now. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, it's so cool. It, it makes a big difference. Yeah, I mean, like, that's the thing. I kind of assumed when I was younger that that was just, like, the way a teacher would act. But when I started touring, I met a lot of people with disabilities who were like, oh, my music teacher told me I couldn't do it. And, you know, like, and I was like, well, like, I didn't realize how big a deal that is, I mean, I don't know if you guys have experienced that, but I mean, I've also heard, I hope it's getting better. I think music teachers are hopefully like learning how to be more inclusive, but I feel like a lot of kids got told by music teachers in the old days that they were like bad and they should just drop out or whatever. And it's like, oh my gosh. I know lots so, of people that took piano lessons and their teachers goes to the parent <laughs> and goes, your, your kid doesn't have an ear for this. They should just quit. 
Yeah, and it's like, wow. how you never know what's going to happen with somebody. And it's just such a good, like, fun hobby, even if you're never, like, get really good at it. But it's like, it's just amazing to me that any teacher would say that. I made a goal because I taught fiddle for three years, and I remember telling myself, I'm never going to suggest that a person quit. And there were some painful, <laughs> there were some painful, like, I may knew it. We would laugh about it, like real squeaky people in my lessons but like but it was fun for them and it's like why would I say like you shouldn't do this and eventually they did get better because I didn't quit you know what I mean like they just yeah had I, to work I, at I, it longer do you think that having that support yeah I, you know I'd agree as kind of rare as it is because I think I had a lot of I didn't have anyone ever tell me to quit, but I didn't have good experiences with art teachers in school. Oh, that's true. We, we, we yeah. would butt heads a lot because I was, well, to be fair, I was very insistent about drawing comics and cartoons, and they were like, but that's <laughs> not the assignment? And I was like, I don't <laughs> care. <laughs> but, but, yeah, but to have somebody who allows you to fail and allows you to experiment and try, do you think that, or how big of an impact do you think that has made on, on your on your career as an artist since? Yeah, I mean, I think it's big. I mean, in my case, it was more like she didn't predetermine how far she thought I would go. You know, they still, like, I had a really good teacher. He works at UMD, Rudy Perot. He's the orchestra conductor, but he was my private lesson teacher in high school. Mm -hmm. And um, we would trade dinner theater tickets because we were pretty broke. And so he would, like, go to the dinner theater and then teach me lessons. And But I think it was a, kind of a cool challenge for him to try to figure out how to rework the violin, kind of like, he was he was interested in that idea of like how could she play it differently so he he was cool but he held me to really high standards but what he didn't do is if there was something I couldn't do he didn't dwell on it he just made me work really hard on the things that I could do and like I think that's an important lesson because like if a kid doesn't have good ear but they have great rhythm I don't think you should tell them oh you should quit and only do drums I think you should like really hold them to a high standard on the things they can do because you know like then you learn the skill of like perseverance and like you know eventually you your own interest takes over but you need a teacher who's like nurturing the right things i don't know if, do you agree with that jason i'm a bad student i don't know <laughs> <laughs> but no <laughs> no <laughs> i actually like had a choir choir teacher that uh, steve deet said I just think was yeah one of those great great teachers that yeah I I don't think I was the best choir student but <laughs> just yeah it's like well <laughs> I don't know it's like you can be in silhouettes but you can't be in this acapella group but it was like yeah we tried a lot of hard really hard things and I definitely learned so much and uh, yeah didn't yeah you know but I I at the end I wasn't the best sight reader <laughs> that is hard yeah. yeah for choir especially wait so what, how did what motivated you to like learn all the like did you self were you self-motivated then when you like were working on guitar and ska and all the stuff that you it, did later it was like a weird bumbly path you know I my I got a guitar when I was five and I got all excited and I took a couple lessons you know where they put the blue stickers on for G and the green stickers for mm -hmm. C and you learn a couple chords and did that for a little bit and then stopped and kind of got, I, I got to, you know, I go through cycles. I'm, I'm into guitar and then I was like, uh, eh, I skipped it for a long time. And then I got back into it when I was like 12 or 13 and took lessons from a, another guy, Mel Lamar, who was really great. And 
and then I wanted to start a band and and then I, and I quit lessons again and then I just kind of learned you know just learned songs and made up songs and never really got that good and then I went to UMD Jazz and Billy Bernard and then I learned a whole bunch in a little bit of time but then I quit after two whatever quarters at the time and went on tour with the ska band so I don't know, kind of just a bumbly, slow, learn a little bit, take a break, learn a little bit, take a break. It's like photography. I've gotten into photography, and then I don't even want to take a photo for five years. And then by that time, all my gear is so old, and then I get, buy a new camera, and I get into it for a little bit, and then, or you know, or cooking on the car, we get into video for a little bit, and then I never do video ever again. You know, <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. It's like a yeah, lot of different things, you know. Well, it's good to have multiple interests, but I bet you learned, I mean, like, even though it's short periods with teachers i think teachers can just be a good boost like alan sparhawk i consider him like a wouldn't call him a teacher but kind of mentor because when i first got the looping pedal it's because he gave me one and he was like you should learn how to do this and i was thinking of that murder of crows yeah that was like going to school in a way you know what i mean like i learned so many things in that short amount of time because i had never i had never even heard of a looping pedal and then he's like I'm going to loop you. So he would loop me and I would just play harmonies. But then eventually he gave me one. And then the best part is when I started writing my own songs, um, I could show it to him and he had like just these little tiny feedbacks. He never said like, this sucks. He would be like, maybe you should add a third verse or like, I think this could use a bridge. And it was just so encouraging. So I think that's kind of, I guess what I mean, they don't have to be like teachers officially, but there are people in your life, I think that kind of like are really good at not squashing when you're like getting better at something or learning how to do something, yeah. he was really good for that. You know what I think that is? It's it's. I think it's somebody who cares enough about whatever you're doing to pay attention and give you some thoughts on it. And then I think, yeah, it, even if they're not teaching you anything, they're just making you think deeper about it. Which I guess, mm -hmm. in a sense, is the same thing a teacher's doing, aren't they? Right? They're they're just giving you homework or whatever so that you can absorb whatever into your you know the geography of africa or whatever into your mind um except for i never well, absorbed that kind of thing no, no, so well wood playing in Woodblind, i mean with vaco and jimmy cooper yeah. and, i mean those guys are so musically educated and amazing i've i've learned so much about music music styles and rhythm you know just yeah. you know i mean our last record we recorded live to a click track and i can tell you before Woodblind, I couldn't even, my rhythm was not that good. I, 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 w I was so scared of click tracks. And Vaco just is like, when I met him, he's like, you have to play to a click track. You you have, we, we I'm not going to be in this band. Well, he didn't say that, but, you know, it's like, we're not recording a record that isn't on time. You know, it's got to be right. We got to play to a click. I was like, oh, boy. But, and then I got used to it. So just having that, yeah, like you said, that that push towards excellence, I guess, that, that helps me. So that's, yeah, that actually out of all my teachers, Woodblind's probably been the best school I've had. No, that's so cool. I love that. It's fun to look back and be like, holy cow, if I hadn't met these people and learned this thing, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, there's a lot of steps along the way. I think everybody's journey is probably pretty windy, like yours and mine and I feel like it's all this thread that you look back and realize. I'm on the very start of my, my kind of career, and uh, it's already kind of janky and all over the place. Um, yeah. <laughs> There's no straight line. It might look straight from, like, a thousand feet back, right? But yeah. it's never really, yeah. It's 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 odd. And I, I, I guess 
Well, the other artists and stuff that you guys know, is that also the case with them as well? That everyone kind of just ends up all over the place? Because and... how could there possibly be, like, a path, right? Ah, there's not a path. I mean, if you think about Alan, like, you know, Lowe got signed really early, and they did a lot, but he's always had, like, side projects, and I feel like you learn something from everything you you do. I mean, I'm sure, but but yeah, but, like, in my mind, his path looks pretty straight but it really probably isn't you know what i mean like if he were to talk yeah about well it, yeah i suppose from the outside is. we have that thousand feet away it looks straight and then you have to be in that life in order to see all the the weird directions yeah. it goes well sometimes yeah. some people just yeah. have weird life <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <Sure. laughs> oh man yeah. um so I think it's interesting with all the success you've had. Oh, yeah, because, like, earlier you said, oh, I just uh, I was doing a play in New York kind of offhandedly. Like, it wasn't on Broadway. Like Yeah, that was really cool, too. Yeah. I just don't know how to say it. Like, yeah, this it really cool fun. thing happened. Yeah, it was super it, cool. Yeah, you, it was fun. But even still, you, here you are in Duluth. Well, I guess not right now. But you, you stick around the area. And I understand that, even though... I, I don't have the same success, obviously, but I don't want to leave the area. I like it here. I want to travel. I want to see other places, mm-hmm. but I, I would always want my home base in Duluth. So I'm curious, what has what has kept you in the area? I mean, I love Duluth. I love Duluth. So, like, Lake Superior, I'm obsessed with it. Um, the music community and just the people here are really cool, and there's stuff going on. You know, it's been tough for us because I'm pretty high risk for covid complications um so the last few years have been a little sad because i haven't been out and about as much but the people that i know here um the music community like it's just such a cool place and it's so beautiful so like we did that thing in new york and i lived there for two months in a hotel room or whatever while we were putting the music into the play and it was cool like i i definitely think new york is fun but i don't i just the the lack of nature and stuff there's no way I could live out there. Like I yeah, just yeah. really love Duluth. And so I think we'll stay here always. And then just, yeah, it's fun to travel. And then it makes traveling really fun because it's like, Oh, I'm somewhere different. But, um, but coming back to Duluth, it just feels like there's no way. And my family's here and, you know, people like Jason, I don't see him a lot right now, but I mean, I've known him since I was like 18 or something. Yeah. Like when you're busking on the Lake Walker playing with Andy, what was and it, Gable, like, and, Gable just, and Galen, or what Gable was it? Gable and Galen. It was so fun, and like stuff like that. There's just no way I would want to move. I really like it here, and it's good, like, to get kind of out of the scene, because like I, I really do believe at the heart of it all that like you could end up releasing an album and it totally bombs, and everyone hates you, and you never like sell anything else again. But you could still like do open mics, and this is the place that I'd want to do that. You know what I mean? Like it's just a cool. It's a cool music scene. I think Homegrown's really amazing that we have such a big festival of local acts. I just, I, I sing the praises of Duluth at all, in all cities across the, the globe because I think it's a really cool town. So, so pretty. Are you ever going to bring back your Christmas variety show? I want to. Yeah, hopefully. I mean, that's the thing. As soon as I feel like, okay, I can do indoor stuff well. I'm like plotting. I'm trying to figure stuff out, like behind the scenes, like, we might do something with like bring a couple air purifiers in or whatever, and then just do some shows. Cause I do miss doing live stuff. I've done a bunch of outdoors and this show is indoors, but it's everyone will be wearing masks and, you oh. know, 
I don't know. It, I'm just trying to navigate it. I don't know. But I want to do the Christmas show because that is my favorite holiday times. You'll have to do Christmas in July show. in the park. Mm. <laughs> That'd be cute. I know. But someday the Solstice show will return to Wusos because that was so fun. Yeah. Or maybe really it needs to be time. bigger. Go to the West. Mm. The West. I've never been there yet. Is it pretty cool? It's super cool. It, and it's yeah. accessible. They put an elevator in and yeah, it's totally set up for that. Yeah, I think, I mean, eventually I'm going to release the Macbeth soundtrack. Yeah. And then probably do a couple of shows with the people that played on it. Because we have some live versions of the, you know, at least a couple. And then maybe we'll just do some of my songs. But but the Macbeth album release, I think that was going to be at the West. Yeah, because Al Church yet, is on that and Dave Mailing yeah. and I know. Love those guys. I, I mean, seriously, such cool people. So speaking of accessibility, I, I one thing I think I want to talk about is uh, is Ramped, recording artists and music professionals with disabilities. Um, you're a co-founder of that. Well, I mean, because when you started playing here, I mean, at first, you know, before you had the, you'd have we'd lift you on stage, and then that just became, uh, you know, the dignity behind. It. And then th- we did that last yeah. big show, and we we rented the ramp, and and that That's that so kind of cool. worked. But I, 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 it makes me wish, you know, when I was. 22 years old that I would have really understood what things would be like if, if you did have a disability because when you're when you don't and you're 22 years old you, you can't even imagine you know those kind of things yeah and, but now I really can yeah it's been a big journey you know like I think every person like every disabled musician kind of navigates it on their own at the beginning like you you want to play so you're like sure I'll have you lift my chair but then like it started dawning on me like I'm pretty small so Paul can carry me up but what if you were like 250 pounds, like you just wouldn't be able to do that. And so I started realizing that if I want to see more people with disabilities playing, there has to be places for them to do it, you know? And so then we, so then in my own life, I started only playing um, at accessible venues. And if they didn't have a ramp, I would play on the floor and like, and that was cool, but it was still kind of all by myself. And then during the pandemic, one weird thing that was good that came out of it is that um, a lot of disabled artists started getting asked to speak on these virtual panels. And so we would talk about accessibility in the music industry, but we hadn't known of each other before. So I'm like, what? There are other people like doing the same thing, like trying to make people, you know, it's like, cause like most people like Jason are really nice people who just built a venue and didn't realize. And like, it wasn't like they're, doing it to leave people out but they didn't know but then at some point you got to work on like well what's the solution right so so we wanted to educate people and also get to know each other so we decided it wasn't my idea the person who founded it with the main founder Lachi um she's a black blind EDM artist out of New York City and she asked me she's like I want you to co-found it with me um I've been thinking about it which is funny because I had thought of wouldn't it be cool if there was an organization where we could all like have more of a collective voice, but I was like, haha, I do not have the time to make one of those. And then, but she is like a powerhouse. I don't even know when she sleeps, but she was like, I'm gonna make this. Can you co-found it with me? And I, it's something I really care about, obviously. So what's cool is there's artists getting to know each other and share their stories and like what's worked for you. Because some of the artists, it's funny because I think you know I still feel like me and I play like we I play weird gigs all the time where like I'll play like a library gig with four people and then some of my shows are really big so I'm kind of all over the map but some of the artists in our group are just starting out and they don't feel like they have the right to ask for like a ramp or 
to like, you know, discuss like, well, you know, could there be an ASL interpreter at this college gig where, you know, like, like they're starting out. And so the whole point is that if they're in ramped and ramped is like more visible, then they can be like, it's not just me that cares about this, you know, this, this group. And so, yeah, so we're just kind of getting started. We actually got a cool grant from the Ford Foundation to hire like an like a program manager. So like, I think it's actually going to continue like and keep growing and hopefully help people get educated and, and do something. And then the best part, the part that or best part to me, the part I was so excited about is I'll get asked to do things. Cause you know, I'm the one or two of the disabled people that people know. And like, they're like, Oh, will you come speak? And if I can't, or it's not like, feasible or I just am like well I'm working on this other thing um now I can be like go to this website there are 60 other disabled artists that will gladly be hired by you you know because I want to I like sometimes people will say things like oh you're the only person we know who's ever needed a ramp and it's like well I happen to be the only person that's played here but I know there are other people besides me that care about this so like now I can just be like go check out the website and learn about and some of these artists are so amazing like jason there's some people you should get to know but like (laughs) eliza hall she's from australia she just did a tour in the u.s and the uk ruth patterson is in a band called holy moly and the crackers out in england and she's probably one of the best performers i mean she is so good um like there's a lot of and then there's most of them are from the u.s there's but those two i've met and i really really love their music like there's some really good people and you read their bios and you're like oh crap they've done a lot of like they've done a lot of things and they've been working really hard but the media doesn't cover disability that much when it talks about diversity yet and so it's like you don't even know they exist until you kind of start digging and you're like well so we want a place to find this to elevate it you know yeah that's great have you noticed uh, in, an increase in general just awareness of disability related issues in the last well, maybe even just, just since Ramped started up. Yeah, I would say, like, when I started touring, if I would suggest a ramp or, like, talk about accessibility, it was sort of like the actual first time any of them had ever thought about it. And now it's like they know, especially since we started, which is something I really believe, is that, you know, you don't talk about someone's race or gender as like a bad thing or a barrier. It's just part of who they are. And that's how I feel disability is. It's just like the way you were born. It's not like a bad thing or negative. And so like, if you really want to support diversity, making your stuff accessible is part of part of that. And so when, when diversity came to the forefront more in general, and then if we, you know, if you say disability is a form diversity it's like a light bulb goes off and I feel like people are more receptive now to it and like just like like this venue I played it on the ninth with Dave Mailing. it's like an outdoor patio they they just have like blues bands usually but they have new owners so they're trying to diversify the lineup a little bit and so he asked me to do it and I was like okay well I need a ramp and they just were like okay cool and they built one and so it was like not even because I was like, don't throw it away. Like, if you take it down, like, put it in a storage shed or something. Because, like, then you just have it in the future. You know what I mean? But but I think that this, I think there's a turning point. I do. I, I'm curious to see where it goes. Because the big, huge problem in America is that we have this bill called the Americans with Disabilities Act that says everything needs to be accessible. 
but the American government does not fund any of it. And that is a legit problem. Like, it makes me mad that we do not support disability better, like, through our tax dollars, you know what I mean? Because then they put it all on, like, someone like Jason to pay for it or whatever. So, like, what, what I think is exciting is in Minnesota, anyways, we have a bill that I helped to work on um, that's hopefully eventually going to get passed where, like, someone like Jason could apply for a grant and, like, actually, it would just be for that, you know, like, I want to make my stage accessible. Okay, here's a grant. And that would be a big step in the right direction because I think that's one of the reasons it's so small is some stuff does cost money. And, oh, yeah. you know, and, and I still think people need to pay for it. Like, maybe they do a fundraiser or whatever. But, like, at the end of the day, wouldn't it be cool if, like, our actual country supported that too? <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, we'll see what happens. I'm hopeful that it might end up actually getting passed in Minnesota. It would be a local thing but it'd be a good example for other states yeah you know, you that's, know? that's what i like to think of of our state as it's just like a, a kind of a good example but yeah. I, yeah. I, I i hope that's always true because i don't always uh, double check i know sometimes you're like uh i just there's nothing in the news uh yes how's your uh how's, how's your beef stick consumption going <laughs> actually <laughs> hilarious you say that i got kind of beef sticked out at a point i was like oh dried meats not able to stomach very well. <laughs> I just recently had a beef stick. Uh, when we went to, we took my parents. Um, well, like, well, we didn't take them. We went on a vacation together to Montreal. We drove out there and I had a beef stick and I liked it. And I was like, okay, maybe I can go back <laughs> to my beef sticks. But I got kind of beef jerky, beef sticked out because on the road, that was what kept me alive yeah. a lot. <laughs> so, <laughs> and at Busos, you have very good. I mean, maybe you do not anymore. Did not anymore. We kind of, oh, they no. kind of went along the wayside, I guess. Oh, they had really good beef sticks. It was COVID, really I guess, because they just, no one came in and then the beef sticks just and stayed there. I wasn't there. there to eat them. Yeah, and you weren't around. And... <laughs> <laughs> no. I was probably like, I bought probably 90% of those, <laughs> I bet, right? Yeah, maybe. <laughs> they, I loved putting them next to the vegan dessert, you know, beef stick <laughs> next to the so vegan funny. bar, just for <laughs> juxtapose. He's like, I just like to mess with people without even letting them know. It's just yeah. subtle. Yes. <laughs> Do you guys have any pets anymore? Is it too we, hard? Our to... poor little, you know, our little Clarabelle uh, passed away in June of 2020. She had cancer, which was really mm. sad. Um, but then in October of 2020, my friend who fosters animals uh, talked us into getting a bunny, mm. a rabbit. His name is Merlin. We still have him. He eats every cord in the world, so you should not get a rabbit if you're a musician. And so <laughs> we had to, like, cord-proof bunny proof all our cords it's ridiculous I and mean, then i can't leave any gear out like one time he got out and he wouldn't go back in his cage before i had a virtual show so paul had to lay on the floor and like shoo him away every time he tried to like eat my cords so he's sort of a nightmare but he's very cute and my parents love him so when we go out of town they take him actually they like we roll his cage into our van and bring him over i think my, they might end up eventually just keeping him but i like having a pet I must say. Yeah. Do you have any pets, Jason? Our old dog, Henry, passed away as well now, but we have a new little one-and-a-half-year-old Australian Shepherd mix uh, shelter puppy from Alabama, and she's about a year and a half, and she's good at uh, hiking and sleeping in a tent and 
Um, oh, cool. Really good. It's like opposite of Henry. She doesn't bark, oh, yeah. and if another dog comes by, she just sits down. And if she runs, if she go, she can be off leash, and you call her, and she comes back. It's like, what in the world? This is like totally opposite <laughs> than, than yeah. Henry. Henry was a character, man. That's for sure. Henry was the best, though. He was cute. I know it's it's sad. It's like sometimes like Clara loved popcorn, and whenever we made it. Um, if it, if any stray kernels got out of the popcorn popper, she would like jump, you know, jump and grab them or whatever. And so sometimes I still feel her presence when we're making popcorn, oh. you know, you're like, Oh, I think she's hovering in the corner being like, <laughs> you know, I, I also noticed now we don't have a kitchen vacuum anymore. Cause when I'd be cooking, Henry would just everything that dropped, but, and now I step on stuff on the kitchen floor. I'm like, why is this here? Because we don't have a kitchen vacuum anymore. Yeah. Oh, so your new dog doesn't do that? I thought every dog did no, that. No, our new dog is like a weird, weird, not like the nicest dog that just, I don't know, never. We even bought a new butter dish because Henry broke our butter dish. They're so like, maybe we can get a new butter dish because Clover might not break it. Oh, Clover? That's a cute name. Yeah, Clover. I'll have to meet her sometime. That's yeah. cool. So cute. Uh-oh. Do you have any pets? Yeah, I well, yeah, we've got all sorts of animals at our house. We've got two dogs, three cats. There's a frog. Though the frog is going somewhere else because we we're not apparently we're not good at taking care of them or something. Or I don't know. I'm always just worried. <laughs> oh, we we used to have a rabbit. Unfortunately, yeah, she died about a year ago. Did she live in your house? Yeah, she was in our house. Yeah, she was an old rabbit. I don't know how old they can rabbits live. They can live pretty long though. They yeah. can live. Some of them can live to be like twelve, anyway. Yeah, it, it might have been around there. Older. Yeah, our dog won't go in the kitchen. I don't know. Won't go? Yeah, he just won't. He'll go really anywhere else. But the kitchen, he's just like, nope, I refuse. I, there's, I don't, there's, I, maybe there's a ghost in there we don't see. I, I'm not sure. Is it like a tile floor? Uh Oh, yeah, it is like the kind of the slippery kind of like a fake wood or whatever. I don't know what it is exactly. But I, I, I've wondered if it's that. But he'll kind of creep in like a couple steps. And then he's like, ah, never mind. And he backs up. So I, I don't know so what weird. his deal is. We're, he's a weird dog. I forgot we we do have a maybe a seven or eight year old goldfish that oh. T- Tina won at the Superior uh, County Fair when Woodblind was playing in that you know you throw the ping pong ball in the fish bowl or whatever. So oh yeah, this fish it's is still alive. It's, it's still alive. The fish is so big it must. It's it's like a dinner plate sized <laughs> goldfish now. And then Tina got four snails. And then they they like to get it on. So now we have hundreds of snails and hundreds more what? on the way. So if if you need a snail, if anyone out there needs snails, <laughs> free snails galore. What do you do with the snail? How do you keep them? They, so Paul the goldfish now has a hundred and twenty five gallon tank that's six feet long. What? With oh my with two hundred snail buddies. <laughs> So he's like living amongst the snail. They live underwater. Snails do. Yeah. Well, they come up for air. They they climb up the side of the tank and they get a little air and then they jump off and they go wee and they float to the really? bottom. Really? Yeah. Oh, they're pretty cute. So, do they do, do they cool. say wee? Wee. But it's underwater, so it's like. <laughs> <laughs> That's cool. I had no idea. Dang. Well, I don't need any snails yet, but I will keep you in mind. <laughs> I'll take a picture yeah. and send you it to you. You never know. <laughs> yeah. With these crazy artist lives we lead, you never know. Maybe a snail will come in handy someday. <laughs> I mean, they are cute. Well, Galen, it's been lovely to meet you and, and talk yeah. to you. This is Terry. We didn't oh, yeah. even introduce. And this is Terry Johnson. Yeah. I know. I was like, wait, I think we're started. Okay. Here we are. Hi, Terry. Um, how do you know Jason? Well, he... 
employees, uh, my girlfriend, so, oh, which cool. is a little, it, yeah, and that basically. And I don't know how we, one day we were talking and, and then somehow this podcast, I don't even know how this happened. Oh yeah. You were wanting to do something with one week live. Oh yeah. And then I was like, you, I don't think you, you know what you're talking about exactly. Let me, t- this is what you're saying. And then you're like, oh yeah, let's do that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Which is a podcast, we were going to do a podcast of one week live. Cause I didn't know how to get it out to the world. Cause you know, CDs are, you know, and I was like, maybe we'll do a podcast and put all the music on a podcast and. And then that didn't really work, but then we did this instead. <laughs> That's really cool. Yeah. That's cool. So then, yeah, I'll have to look. Is it going to be, like, on the, the Wusos page? Yeah, or? it'll be on, well, anywhere you, everywhere. anywhere people find podcasts, it's on. Um, oh, great. Just the Wusos podcast. I guess maybe now's the time I should pitch my other podcast. Not really, but kind of. That's what it's called. Not really, but kind of. Oh, your other podcast. Uh, oh, yeah. that's awesome. <laughs> it's, uh, it's, it's conversational like this one, except way, way more like vulgar, I guess. Like <laughs> on our last episode, we, we spent a while talking about different rodents that we've accidentally hurt or maimed or in some way. If, just, so, just, just to give you an idea. Definitely different vibes. Different vibes. Different but yes. vibes. But it's a good time. <laughs> that at least cool. is... So this, the Wusos podcast releases the first Tuesday of every month. Not really, but kind of. releases the third Wednesday. Cool. Yeah. Well, I'm glad to have, be on. And I, it's just fun to talk to you both. Cause it's super fun. It's been yeah, a while. A lot of fun. Yeah. I'll, I'll send you an email. I'll try to come Wednesday. And, yeah. Anything else with that you want to you wanna pitch? Um. Yeah. The one other thing we didn't talk about, I guess, is I'm writing a book. So like, I'm writing a memoir. <laughs> it's, it's, I've been saying that since like 2019, but I'm actually... <laughs> Like, I finally finished the book proposal, and there's a place that's going to publish it uh, called Algonquin Press in 2025. So now I actually have to write it. Like, I have a year. So I'm try- that's one of the reasons I haven't been touring a lot is, like, trying to work on getting that ready. So, yeah, so I have a year to write it, and it's going to be fun. And that's probably when I'll start touring for real again mm-hmm. is when that comes out in 2025. So it'll be a good reason to hit the road. Maybe so, we could do something with uh, Zenith Books and, and Wusos and, and do an outdoor release in the parking lot. Oh my gosh, I would love that. We I did think that, that would for be David great. Sedaris, it was so cool. Oh my gosh, yeah, that would be really, really, really fun. I was definitely going to be talking to you, but now I will definitely, I, definitely. I think that's because, the yeah. idea. Yeah. <laughs> no, that's like the book release. That would be cool. And then that yeah. would be like the launch. I can go out of town after that, but I should do the first one here. What's the book going to be called? It's called Linger in the Sun. Oh, yeah. That's a song, right? Isn't that Yeah, um, yep. The one from the tiny desk is Someday We'll Linger in the Sun. Oh, yeah. So we kind of played off of that title. Um, But it's going to kind of be about growing up and learning how to play and then traveling and just kind of like ending on this idea of disability culture and disability as diversity. But it'll be hopefully fun. There's some... It's been really fun to write. I got to talk more to your Tina because it's it's like I didn't, I mean, I, I love writing, but all of a sudden you realize how much you have to learn. <laughs> We're like, oh, dialogue is like a new world for me. So I've been like, it's fun to watch yourself. The more you make yourself do it, you can see that you're improving. I don't think I'm Shakespeare by any <laughs> means, but I'm just saying it's, I've gotten better just in the short, like writing the first couple of chapters because you like have to, you turn it into people and they're like, yeah, this is okay, but you need this and this and this and this, and then you got to go back. It's a, it's kind of a growing experience. Um, that's new. So I think growing is the goal, right? Like you just try new things. Oh yeah. It doesn't have to be the same thing your whole life. You just gotta 
it's fun to try to get better at stuff. Yeah, I agree a billion billion percent. Yeah, like I've been I've been trying to catch myself when I when I just don't do something because I'm just anxious about it, and then just mm-hmm. doing it anyway. Just just getting stuff going, doing stuff, not caring about the end result because. I'll, I'll get better eventually. It doesn't matter that it sucks now, basically. No, exactly. I mean, there's this best quote I ever read about that was in a book called The Art of Work. Mm. I think the author's Jeff Goins, but he said something like, when you're following your passion, you're always going to be afraid because every new experience kind of pushes you up against the wall of the unknown. So, like, just get over being afraid. Like, you will be afraid. And it doesn't mean... Like, there's nothing wrong. If yeah. you're afraid, it's, like, 100% just normal. And so that kind of helped because I used to feel I put a lot of weight. I mean, even with, you know, playing with Alan at the beginning made me really, really nervous. And, like, I took everything so seriously. I mean, I, I still kind of do that, but I try not to. I try to remind myself that, like, it's okay. None of this is, like, life or death. And also, it's okay to be afraid because that's just, like, a normal human response yeah. to trying something new. So that's kind of cool. Um, that's helped. That's when I got that Macbeth soundtrack. That was a very new experience too. I mean, we had to troubleshoot. Someday, Jason, I'll have to tell you about how we made it because Jake Larson is like a saint, uh, a hero. He like recorded, he was the engineer. And we had to like get pretty creative to make it feel live in the theater. Oh, well, um, well, it was that she just being like press buttons and press go so i mean we had to we had to learn a lot on the job but that's the whole thing is it's okay to be afraid you just gotta do it anyways yeah that's where the interesting stuff comes from i think right yeah 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 so. well it's nice to see you and i love you jason yeah I love Tina good to see you and terry it was really nice to meet yeah, you yeah we'll you as well again um yeah and i'll look forward to hearing this podcast on the other ones when i Get to look at them. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. What are you gonna do? <laughs> <laughs> Take care, guys. Yeah. Bye-bye. Bye bye.